This is a Federal News Network podcast. Equal employment law is constantly changing as new cases and new decisions occur. Courts decide some cases, the commissioners others. It's a lot for EEO officers to keep up with. But the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission publishes a quarterly digest that makes it all, well, easier to digest. With how the process works, the assistant director of the commission's special operations division, Nina Andreu. Ms. Andreu, good to have you on. Hello, good morning. All right, tell us about these quarterly digests. What do they digest and how do you decide what to digest in them? Thank you, Tom, for the question. Well, the EOC digest is a publication that contains the summaries of a significant federal sector uh, decisions issued by the EOC on appeal. Uh, The EOC digest is issued four times each year at the end of each quarter. And each edition of the digest is called like volume one, volume two, volume three, volume four. Um, Volume one, for example, contain a compilation of significant or important decision from the prior fiscal year. And then volume two, three, and four contain the summary of significant decision issued during the previous quarter. When we call about this significant decision, it's mostly decision that include a finding of discrimination, of course, a decision that include award of attorney's fee, compensatory damage, significant cases on procedural dismiss, like, for example, with anything that related to fragmentation decision involving class action, the most complex issues. Sure. And I guess these are both decided, some of the cases are decided by the commissioners of the EEOC, and some of these come in court cases? No, we only publish the cases that come from the Office of Federal Operation, because we only address cases in the federal sector area. I see. And does EEO law in the federal sector differ that much from the private sector? The law is basically the same because we're both dealing with Title VII on the Civil Rights Act, the ADA, Asian Employment Discrimination Act, Equal Pay Act. The big difference is in the way that the process of the case. In the private sector, they, you know, they have to go to the EEOC for the notice of right to sue. In the federal sector, all federal employees need to initiate the process within their own agency, and they have to exhaust all the administrative remedies before going to the court. So while the law are the same law, the process to file a discrimination complaint is different. Got it. And getting back to the issue of significant cases, give us a sense of how many cases come through in the federal sector through the Federal Operations Office in a year, and how many might end up being worthy of the digest. There are hundreds of cases. In terms of the digest, the number varies every quarter. For example, volume two, three, and four, usually they have between 40 and 45 cases. The last volume, volume two of fiscal year 2021, had 42 cases. But because volume one is the compilation of the whole previous year, usually they're always going to have more cases. Like volume one for fiscal year 2021 have like 155 cases. And is a unusual case that makes it into the digest, is it because of the monetary amount that might be awarded or is it because of some detail, novel way of, of a legal twist that might not have occurred earlier? can be both. can be both. For example, in the last digest, we have several cases of uh, compensatory damage. For example, there was a case that we increased non-pecuniary damage to $175,000, and because that's not really common, is there. 
but also we have cases about significant finding of discrimination regarding like uh, disability discrimination, retaliation. So we, we have both. The digest is always divided by topics. So you will have attorney fees, for example, then all the cases regarded or related to attorney fees. Then you have another section about compensatory damage. Then you have all the cases significant in where we award or increase the compensatory damage. And then we have the finding by section, finding because retaliation, finding because disability. We're speaking with Nina Andreu. She is assistant director of the Special Operations Division of the Equal Employment mm-hmm. Opportunity Commission. And do the digests simply reiterate the language that was used in the decision, or do they somehow simplify it and explain why this is significant so that, say, a layperson could read it? Because often these decisions are pretty tough to read if you're not a lawyer. I think they're tough to read if you are a lawyer. No, we don't make any analysis. What we do is, like, we provide a summary of the decision. We try to, of course, using the most simple way to summarize. And then in the summary, you're always going to find the hyperlink so you can have access to the entire decision. But yeah, because the digest is for like everybody in the EO community, every EO practitioner, and also for complainant, we try to, you know, summarize the case in the most simple possible way, just highlighting the most significant, you know, part of the case or, or why it's so significant that case. And you have to be a lawyer to write the digest? Yes, actually, in the special operation division, we almost all are lawyer. So the ones that are responsible to review the cases and draft the summaries are all lawyers in the Special Operations Division. All right. And you mentioned there are you know, different types of discrimination. There's disability-based discrimination, and there could be racial or gender-based discrimination. And these go back as long as there's been a government, there's been discrimination, yet new cases keep coming forward. Does it ever strike you that, golly, how do people keep finding fresh ways to discriminate against one another? I think, like, as you mentioned, we always, unfortunately, going to continue encounter discrimination in the workplace. The positive thing that I see is like the EEOC, we are working more and I think like eradicating discrimination and then we have more finding and more finding because the investigation, because all the uh, the file. And I think like now we are very proactive in terms of like trying to prevent discrimination. And I think that that make a big difference. Uh, more like continue, you know, just take action when the discrimination occurs, that of course we do, like compensatory damage, sanction agencies. But now I think that the EEOC and we, through all our outreach and training, we are more um, in the proactive area to try to prevent discrimination. Sure. And of all the types of discrimination, what is the most common in terms of just numbers of cases? Do we know that? You know, I don't have the last number, but I know that usually it's always our age or retaliation. We have a lot of cases always harassment. I think harassment has become very popular and, and increased every year on harassment cases. And finally, the digest then is intended for EEO officers, or do you recommend other people read it and just stay on top of things in federal agencies? I think everybody can read it because regardless, you know, of course, if you are a lawyer, agency representative, or complainant attorney, it will be very beneficial for you to prepare for your case. But also, I believe that every federal employee should read it because that provides you a good hint of what, what is your rights and responsibility as a federal employee. So I think that it helps and provide a lot of guidance to all federal employees. I would say maybe the managers and executives should read it so they would know what not to do. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> 
All right. Nina Andreu is the Assistant Director of the Special Operations Division of the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting And remember, reprisal and disability topped the cases, so don't do that. We'll post this interview along with a link to the Digest, federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. 
And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From Sea to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day 
and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.